Amen. Good morning. Good to see all of you this morning at the nine o'clock service. Glad to have you here and glad to have those of you who are joining us from your homes all over the country and really around the world this morning as well. A couple of things before we get into the message this morning that I want to remind you of. As Tony mentioned, next Sunday is communion. Uh, The following Sunday, the 19th of March, I want to meet with all parents of youth. And that means if if you already have a young person in youth group, I'd like to meet with you. If you have youth coming into youth group, like they're getting ready to graduate into youth group, I'd like to meet with you. And also anyone who's interested in youth ministry and helping us out with our youth ministry. It will be between services on March 19th. Uh, So in other words, if you come to the 9, if you'd stay a little bit later, if you come to the 11, if you've come a little bit earlier, and we will meet here in the auditorium between services. I realize that's during spring break. Some of you will not be able to be here. If you can't be here and you want the information, then please come and see me uh, sometime after the fact, and we'll make sure that you get that information. Also, just a reminder, April's going to be a big month here at the Oasis. First Sunday of April, April 2nd, is our 13th anniversary as a church. April 9th, the next Sunday, is Easter Sunday. The following weekend after that, on Saturday, we're having baptism. And if you'd like to be baptized, you can go out there to the information table and let those gals know they are compiling a list for me of those who would like to be baptized uh, that weekend. And then the following weekend after that, our men are having their retreat. So just a lot of stuff coming up. We hope that you will be a part of it. We are in the Gospel of Luke on Sunday morning, looking at the story of Jesus. And we're going to be in Luke chapter 14 this morning. Luke chapter 14. And this is a passage where, as we have been singing about, it's all about Jesus. You know, from the very pretty much beginning of this series, we wanted to make sure that we distinguished something in our minds. And that is that all Christians are not disciples. All disciples have to start out as Christians, but all Christians are not disciples. Jesus is calling us not just to be a Christian, not just to have a personal relationship with him and believe in him, but to become a disciple. And there is a distinction, there is a difference. In fact, this is so important to God that the great commission that Jesus gave his followers at the end of the Gospel of Matthew is not to go out into the world and make Christians or to help people become Christians. It was to go into the world and make disciples. Disciples. With that said, I want you to focus with me at the beginning on verses 26, 27, and 33 of Luke chapter 14. 26, 27, and 33. Jesus pulls no punches here. He makes it very clear that there is a standard, a very high standard if we want to be a disciple of his. 
In fact, he uses the phrase in verse 26, 27, and 33, my disciple, my disciple, different from all other disciples, different from all demands of all other rabbis or spiritual leaders. What are those standards? Well, look at verse 26. That Jesus takes precedence over every other person or relationship in our life. That he is first place. Jesus uses the word hate here figuratively. It speaks about priority of a relationship. And Jesus clearly says, If anyone comes to me and does not put me above father and mother, above wife, children, above brothers and sisters, and even their own life also, they cannot be my disciple. Then in verse 27, he says, if anyone is not willing to carry their cross, oh, folks in Jesus' day knew what that meant. They've seen crucifixions. They they knew that that meant death to self. That that meant laying aside all selfish ambition. That also meant being willing to follow Jesus no matter what the cost, no matter what the sacrifice. In fact, that's why then he goes down after verse 27 and starts talking to his followers there about counting the cost, making sure that we realize what is going to be demanded of a disciple. Again, not a Christian. Simple faith in Christ makes one a Christian, but not a disciple. There's a much higher standard. Jesus must occupy first place. He must be the most important person. We must, as disciples, care more about him than anyone or anything else in the world. What an appropriate song to sing right before the message, Give Me Jesus. That's the song of a disciple. Then look at verse 33. Jesus says, One cannot come to me and be a disciple unless they're willing to renounce all their worldly possessions or goods. In other words, Not only must Jesus come before anyone, Jesus must come before anything. We cannot allow worldly, material, physical things to come before Jesus. Jesus must be first. Why did I want to start out there this morning? Well, the title of my message this morning is The Fear of Missing Out Misplaced. You know, we live in a world today that many people suffer from what we call FOMO, the fear of missing out. Here's what I want us to see this morning from this passage. Because Jesus here is clearly calling his disciples to basically give up anything and everything in order to follow him. And Jesus is going to show us that the the human being who totally is all in with him, who embraces him fully and puts him first place in their life, will never, ever miss out on 
anything worthwhile. That's why many Christians today aren't disciples. That's why they lack commitment. Because they struggle with, if I give Jesus all my heart, if I, if I lay down everything for Jesus, I'm going to miss something. And obviously that's what the world, the flesh, and the devil keep trying to throw in front of us. Oh, but, but if you go to church consistently, look at what you're missing out on. You don't have time to read your Bible. You don't have time to pray. You don't have time to worship. There's other things that's more important than your relationship with Jesus. There's other things more important than the spiritual priorities of God. There's other things more important than these spiritual values. And so this whole chapter is really couched around this concept of if we give our all to Jesus, we're not going to miss out on anything, both now and into eternity. Look with me beginning at verse 7 now with all of that in mind. Jesus is going to share everything that he's going to share with these folks and with us this morning by hanging out at a party. Do you know that Jesus loved a party? He did. Now, you might not call it a party, but it was a, it was a dinner party. It was a banquet. That someone opened up their home, and Jesus was there. And in verse 7, it tells us something very interesting. Jesus noticed when he was there at the party, at the dinner party, at the banquet, how many people were fighting for positions of honor at the banquet, you see. They were just going after status and position in this world. That's what their focus was on. You see, in those days, they would set like the room up to where it was like the guests had like uh, the persons of honor and then it would go down from there. And Jesus was sitting around and he was just watching how these people were going after these positions. Now, one of the things that tells us is Jesus, Jesus notices everything. He watches us. He knows who's here today and who's not. He notices who wants to be here and who really doesn't. He knows all that. He notices everything. There's nothing in our life or about our life that escapes the notice of Jesus. He's always watching. And so he's watching these folks fighting for their position. And so he thinks this is a teachable moment. <laughs> I'm going to share a, a story, he says, to his guests especially to those who want to be his followers. Because what Jesus wants to do is he wants to cultivate habits of humility with his followers. He wants his followers to be humble. And he's not seeing a lot of humility with this crowd. He's seeing people who are very prideful and they're all about themselves. They're all about status and position in this world and making sure that they are seen because we, we need to be seen and making sure that somebody pays attention to us. And that's the world we live in today. 
People are doing everything imaginable because they want people to pay attention to them. They want to be seen. So Jesus says, here's a story for you. He says, there was this man who had a wedding feast. And he said, obviously, the guests were inviting to the wedding feast. And he says, but there was this one particular person that he was like many people at the guests of that dinner banquet that day. He wanted to make sure he was honored. And so he fought to sit in this place of honor. And Jesus said, well, but you realize there's other guests invited there. And Jesus said, what if someone more distinguished than you shows up? And then you're in this really humiliating position where the host of the wedding feast has to come to you and say, uh, that spot, that was reserved for so-and-so. You, you need to come down and sit down here. Jesus is like, ooh, that, that wouldn't look good, would it? Pretty humbling, right? Jesus says, wouldn't it be better that if you're invited to a banquet or a social gathering like that, that you don't worry about trying to be seen or seizing some kind of honorable position, but you sit in the lowest place so that maybe the person who's hosting the banquet will come to you and actually say to you, oh, no, no, that, you sit up here. And then Jesus said, you, you'll, in a sense, be honored in front of everybody when he calls you forward. And then Jesus says this, verse 11. Here's the principle that he's getting at. For everyone who exalts himself will be humble, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Sometimes we think we're going to miss out, that people are going to miss us, and, and, and we're, you know, we're not going to be seen, and we're not going to be known, and we're not going to have the, the status and all of that that we feel we deserve in this world unless we go out there and we scratch and claw and fight for it and make sure that people know who we are. Jesus says, no, nah, that's really not true. If you exalt yourself, you're going to be humbled. Because honor is not something to be seized. It is something to be awarded. And disciples will wait for God to exalt them. Not man. Let's face it. Man puts you up on a pedestal. Man can also take you down. But if God puts you there, no one can touch you. And if you know your Bible, you know that there's story after story after story of God exalting someone out of nowhere. Think of the story of Joseph in the book of Genesis. A man who was sold as a slave by his brothers, and now he becomes the second most powerful person on the planet. How about Esther, this young Jewish girl who ends up becoming the queen of Persia? How about Daniel, an exile? who also becomes pretty much the most powerful person on the planet other than King Nebuchadnezzar. I mean, over and over again, God is better than anyone at exalting someone. And God knows when to do it. God knows who deserves it. And when God puts us up where he wants us to, 
That's the best. Not us putting ourselves up there thinking somehow we're going to miss out on the honor that we deserve. What Jesus is saying is, if you truly deserve to be honored by God, he'll honor you. And he'll honor you in a way that is lasting, that is permanent, that is real, and that is true. You wait for God to honor you. The highway of humility leads to the gate of heaven. And those who are truly humble recognize their desperate need for God and not the right of blessing. That is so important. Those who are truly humble recognize their desperate need of God and not the right of blessing. Listen, being humble isn't thinking less of yourself than you should. It's thinking rightly of yourself. It's not thinking more of yourself, especially in relationship to other people or to God, than we should. That's true humility. And Jesus is saying, you won't need to fight for being honored. In fact, I will honor you throughout eternity if that's what you deserve because you've been my faithful and devoted disciple. It's coming. Then look at verses 12 through 14. Jesus then turns to the host of this banquet or this dinner party, if you will, and he gives him some advice. And I want to preface what I'm about to say by also saying this. You could read those verses and say, is Jesus teaching us that we should never invite our family and friends over for dinner? No, that's not what he's saying. Remember, he's talking here about principles. And he's talking here about the principle of hospitality. And he's saying to the, the host of this dinner party, don't always invite your family and friends over and do something for them, knowing that you're actually motivated by seeking something in return. But when you have the opportunity to do something for somebody in a hospitable way, why don't you invite people that you know could never repay you? You see. Hospitality is given. It's not merely exchanged. Let me repeat that. True hospitality is just given, not merely exchanged. Jesus saying, Many times when people invite somebody over, it's because they expect to be invited back. <laughs> or they expect something down the road. So the whole reason that they always do things for others is because there's sort of this quid pro quo type thing going on here. Back and forth. Jesus says, how about doing something for somebody and you know they'll never be able to do anything for you? Can you get there? Because what Jesus is also in this passage cultivating beyond habits of humility is he's cultivating selflessness and generosity. And he's saying true selflessness and generosity is when you and I are willing to do things for others and we don't get anything back. Because notice what he says then in verse 14. But Jesus, if I live that way, if I live pouring myself out to others and always giving, 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 when am I going to get? And so notice what Jesus says in verse 14 you'll be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. You might not get anything that you're looking for here on earth, 
But I'm telling you something. Eternity is coming and glory is coming. And you will be rewarded throughout eternity for every last thing you have done, including every cup of cold water you've given to someone thirsty in my name. Because again, Jesus notices everything and nothing escapes his notice. So the Bible tells us that God is not unjust. He will not forget any or every good work that we've ever done in his name. And he will reward us. And we don't have to live our lives somehow thinking we're missing out if we don't look out for number one and make sure that we manage our life so that we're always getting back when we give. Jesus saying, no, you give when I prompt you to, even if you don't get anything back, because I'll give it back to you. And none of us can outgive God. No one's more generous than God. No one's more equitable or fair or just than God. God will make sure that we get throughout eternity everything that we truly deserve. But Jesus is saying, don't look for it here. Don't look for all your accounts to be settled here. But the hope of the Christian, or should I even say the hope of the disciple, is that I'm not looking to have all my accounts settled here. I'm looking into eternity. That's where my hope is at, not here on earth. Then beginning in verse 15, someone takes what Jesus just said about being repaid at the resurrection of the righteous and cries out in the middle of the dinner party, yes, and blessed are all those who are going to be feasting in the kingdom. And Jesus goes, okay, here's another teachable moment. I'm going to tell the story of a party. He said, so let me go there. Because Jesus understands that especially a lot of his Jewish audience that thinks that they're in really aren't. Because they haven't yet embraced him as their Messiah and they think that they're in simply because they're Jewish. And that's not the only reason Jesus gave this story. He says, let me tell you a story. He says, a man gave a banquet, and he set out invitations to this banquet. And then when it was time to call people to the banquet, people began to make all kinds of excuses of why they couldn't come. Now, let me share something that might help us all to understand this story story a little bit better. In Jesus's day, there were two invitations sent out, sort of not too much different than our day. In other words, the first invitation would have been make your reservations, send back your RSVPs, save the date type of thing, right? But then there was another invitation given, and that was when everything was ready, okay, it's time now to come to the banquet. So Keep that in mind when you're reading the story because then what Jesus is basically saying is that everybody that was sent an original invitation RSVP'd back that they were coming. Oh yeah, Jesus, we'll, we'll be there. And you might say, well, Jesus hasn't said that this is about him yet. Well, if you go down to verse 24, notice how Jesus refers to this. It's his banquet. Notice the words, my banquet. So even though Jesus isn't maybe 
saying it up front, it is clear that what Jesus here is talking about in this story is what he wants to invite people to. Okay? What he wants them to be a part of. That's really what he's getting at. And so that's why it can apply to all of us, even here today. So you get the picture. This man has sent out these invitations to everybody, and everybody that he's sent out invitations to has RSVP'd back, we're coming. But then as it got closer and closer to the actual banquet, they began to make excuses. They began to beg off. And very interestingly, too, the, the word excuse reveals priorities. Basically, by begging off of the banquet that they've been invited to by this man, they are saying, something else has come up that's more important than what I've been invited to. Something more important than your banquet. Whew. So Jesus says the person who's running the banquet is pretty upset that he's went to all this trouble to prepare this wonderful banquet for people and they think there's something more important than the banquet table that he has set, the party that he wants to give. So he tells one of his servants, you go out there and you just start inviting anybody and everybody. You just start walking up the streets of Gilbert. Just yell out of your car. We're having a party over here. Anybody want to come? Right? And I want you to notice something in verse 22. The phrase, even after that, there was still room. You see that in verse 22? There was still room. Because God will always make sure that there's room for every last person that truly wants to come and be a part of him and what he has for us. In fact, in verse 23, notice he sends him back out. He wants more. Why? Because the desire of the man who's running the banquet is that his house, don't miss that phrase in verse 23, that his house be what? Filled. Filled. Do you know what? God wants a full house. Wouldn't it be great? Let's translate that. Not that this is the only way to translate this. But wouldn't it be great if we came to church every Sunday and there wasn't a seat to be had? You know why I say that? Because nothing would thrill the heart of God more than seeing his house full of people. Because that's his heart. He wants to see his houses where he is truly worshipped full. Full of energetic, devoted worshipers and disciples. Those who aren't just there to check a box, to put in their time, to follow through with their religious duty but those who truly want to be there to pour out their love on Jesus for all that he is to them 
because going back to verses 26, 27, and 33, there's no one or nothing more important, more special, more significant. He is the prize of our life. He is the pearl of great price. He is our ultimate treasure. We have no one or nothing in this world that can even come close or compare to Jesus. In fact, even if you put all the world together, it doesn't compare at all to Jesus. So we're not missing out on anything. And yet Jesus ends this story by saying, not one of those who originally were invited and said they were coming, but then begged off and made some kind of excuse that something else was more important. They won't taste my banquet. They won't be able to experience and enjoy this wonderful banquet that I had prepared for them because something else in their life was more important because they had the fear of missing out, but it was misplaced. Something that their flesh desired, something that the devil dangled in front of them, something that the world offered them was more important and significant and special to them than me and what I was offering them. Yet just the opposite should be true of us as God's people. If we have a fear of missing out in this life, it should be that we live every day fearing missing out on Jesus and on what he has for us, not anything else. Let me even give you a sort of maybe even a silly illustration, but something that stuck with me for many, many years now from my own childhood. And again, I'm not saying that this is the only way to apply this, but the house of God certainly should be a priority to the people of God. So I can remember back in my childhood, yes, I'm dating myself, that I grew up in a church with my mom and dad where we not only had Sunday morning services, we had Sunday evening services. Any of you grow up in a church like that? Yeah, right? So if you went back to church on Sunday evening, guess what happened around at when I was growing up, it was more like mid-January. The Super Bowl. The Super Bowl was on Sunday night. And I can remember because my parents just were like, whatever is of God is more of a, a priority than a football game, even the Super Bowl. Now the world would say, you're going to miss the Super Bowl? Doesn't everybody in the world watch the Super Bowl? Even if you don't like football, you watch the Super Bowl. <laughs> it's like the thing that nobody should miss. So I can remember as a child, even, you know, elementary school, junior high school, I would go to school the next day on Monday, and all my friends would be talking about, did you, did you, well, what about, I said, no, nah, I didn't watch it. I, I went to church. And they'd look at me like, you did what? You went to church instead of watching? Yeah, because in our family, what God has for us, we, I'd rather not miss God and miss the Super Bowl. I'd, I'd, 
rather make sure that I'm not missing what God has for me over this over here. That's what Jesus is saying. Because remember, he's built what he said in verse 26, 27, and 33, which he said obviously after the fact, but he was building to that. Saying, you can't be my disciple unless I take precedence over anything and anyone. I must be first place in your heart. I must be the most important thing in your life. You can't be my disciple otherwise. Because you'll always, if that's not settled in your heart, there will always be something that your flesh wants, that the world's offering you, or that the devil's dangling in front of you, that you're going to say, like those people that were invited to the banquet, ah, Jesus, I'm begging off because this is more important. And Jesus is trying to get his followers to see. Even if it means a life of pain and persecution. Because notice verse 27, he says, are you willing to carry your cross? That not only meant death to self, that meant that you might have to follow me and your life here on earth may be a life of pain and persecution because you are a follower of me. Are you willing to follow me no matter what the cost and what the sacrifice? Because we might get to the place otherwise where we think, man, I'm missing out. I'm missing out. I mean, think about some of the martyrs down through church history that died at a very young age. Do you think they went into glory, into heaven going, I only lived for like 25 years Man, I wish I would have lived 100 years on earth. No, I don't think they thought that at all. In fact, many of you know the story of Jim Elliott, who gave up his life at a very young age to reach the Alka Indians. And he made this statement, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. He is no fool who gains what he cannot keep to, to give what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. See, Jesus saying, if you're all in with me, you'll never miss anything truly worthwhile. Whatever it is I have for you, it will be the best. And don't forget, eternity is coming. Don't make it just about earth and earthly things. Keep your eye on glory. Keep your eye on eternity and live for that. So let's make this real practical this morning as we're wrapping this up. Jesus talked there in verse 15 through 22 uh, about being invited by him to something. And I think Jesus is doing that in our midst, continually, seasonally. He's always saying, hey, I want, you to, I want you to think about this, or I want to invite you to this. I want to invite you to be with me here. I, I want to in invite you into this. And are we taking those invitations like 
the people that were invited to that banquet and going, but Jesus, I, I got something better. I'm going to beg off. And we miss out. Because of the fear of missing out on this over here, we missed out on something better with Jesus. And all of us, today's a day where we just have to go, where am I with Jesus? Is he first? <laughs> Does he take precedence over anything and everyone else in my life? Or is there some other things that are more important to me than Jesus? That's where we are today. And listen, God will never force us to be a disciple any more than he will force us to be a Christian. But what he is saying to us is, what I have for you is always better than what you could be involved with over here. Because there's no one or nothing that is a greater treasure that is more fulfilling, more satisfying, more lasting, more eternal than anything and everything we do with Jesus. Jesus saying, do you want what's best? Then don't beg off. Say yes to my invitation. And when I invite you to something, show up. You'll be glad throughout eternity that you did. I'm going to ask Nicole and our worship team to come. And I'm going to ask you to stand with me as we close in prayer. Father, I, I love the fact that your son never pulled any punches. He told it like it was. He never sugarcoated anything. He never told us that being a disciple would be easy. He told us it would be the most rewarding thing we could ever do, the most fulfilling thing we could ever do, the thing that we will be glad we did and made that choice down through eternity, but it wouldn't necessarily be easy. Especially because, Lord, there's always going to be these things in the world, the things that the devil, the things that our own flesh, Lord, think maybe are more important than you and the things that you have for us. And I pray today, God, that none of us would miss out on your banquet, your banquet, God, the one that you have prepared for each of us and for us as a church. God, I pray that we would be willing to wrap our arms around everything you have for us that we would say today, God, there's no one or nothing more important than you, and that, Lord, we are all in with you. We want to be your disciple. We don't want to just be a Christian. We don't want to just have you in our life, but then kick you to the fringe. We want you to be the center of our life. We want you to be everything to us, God. That's what we want. Lord, may that be true. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.